Hi, my name is Rachel Perry. I am a 48 years old, grey-haired curve model. I'm going to be your host for Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling, and over on social media I found so many amazing, inspiring women over 40 who are really embracing midlife and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way, helping to break down the stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought it would be fun to share them with you. Welcome back to episode nine, Out of the Bubble, and a huge welcome to Sam Bunch, author of Collecting Conversations, which is a great book about interviewing 100 women who shared their everyday thoughts. And she's also a very brave TEDx speaker, which I'm looking forward to hearing about. So welcome, Sam. Hello. How do you introduce, introduce yourself to people? Oh gosh, that's a good one. I just say hi. Sam, pleased to meet you. That's it. I don't describe myself as anything, really. I'm not great on labels. Mm. So, And also people have expectations and assumptions when you say I'm a writer or I'm an author. And I'm not really. I mean, I am and I'm not. I'm just, I'm just me mm. navigating my life. And it just so happens at this particular point, I'm writing books. Yeah, which is nothing compared to what you used to do because you were, you were in law, weren't you, before? Well, I wasn't, I, I didn't, years and years and years ago, I was a paralegal, that's when mm. I first came to London in 1988, um, and I did that for a couple of years, um, but I hated it, I really, really hated it, I'm not a commuter, I'm not an office worker, and I did lots and lots and lots of other things, and then eventually I ended up working in fashion, oh, right. in a clothes shop six days a week, and then I waitressed nearly every night of the week, so I didn't have any break at all. Mm. And I got together with my husband, my boyfriend at the time, and he said, I never see you. He said, you need to sort your life out. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, well, what am I going to do with my life? And I went, there used to be a thing in London called Floodlight, which was like night schools, a massive catalogue of night schools. And I just read them all, and I decided the ones that sounded interesting, I'd circle, even if I didn't understand what it was. And reflexology was one of them. And I never heard of it, but I just liked the the word. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'll go find out what that's all about. So I went to do the night school. And the first day I came out and I went, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. So I then, I was 24 at this point. And I spent a year learning reflexology, set up a little business. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And I did that for years and years. And I eventually became, I trained as a iridologist, uh, herbalist and um, nap, nap That's amazing. and it took me years and I had my three children during that time and I was I had a business working from home and I used to go into companies in town doing feet and advising them on nutrition and what mm. have you and then when my third son came along my third's got the son I haven't got three children I've got three, <laughs> no, when my third child came along who's my son I just I couldn't manage it all it was just too much mm. so I just went enough and stopped so there was a process really when I was mum, yeah. about five or six years where I was properly mum, properly in the house, properly doing all the housewifely stuff, getting involved with the school, you know, mm. helping the swimming club, all that sort of stuff. Um, and really what I was, that's what I was doing. And then when my, my mum died in 2007, and then two years later my dad died, and my sort of world fell apart a bit really. Not, I'm not being melodramatic, I mean mm. they were in their 60s, it was, my dad was very sudden, my mum had cancer for 10 years. Um, oh, and they I were was, very close together, weren't they? Yeah, it was like a couple yeah, of years apart, yeah. wasn't it? And I don't know, you know, it's that connection, just lost, gone. Mm. And um, I just had this idea, really, that 
where was I going to get my inspiration from for the rest of my life? You know, who's going to tell me about the menopause? Who's going to tell me how to raise, um, raise teenage kids? You know, she wasn't on the end of the phone anymore. And I thought, well, there's all these fabulous people in the world. Let's just talk to them. Mm. So I had this brainwave that I just thought, do you know what? I'll get a hundred women and I'll ask them the same questions. I'll come up with some really fab questions and then I'll learn from what they're telling me. And then this will be my treasure chest, my yeah. wisdom book for the rest of my life. Um, and that's what I did. So I start, start at the school gate with, um, you know, will you come around to my house in between the school pickup and can I chat to you for hours at my kitchen table? And that's, and that's what we did. And it built and built and built. And over four years, I ended up doing, the youngest was 30 and the eldest was 96 and up and down the country. What a fabulous project. All walks of life, all backgrounds, all nationalities. Same 18 questions. We're no different. We're all the bloody same. Mm. We are all the same. Um, and yeah, I've got oh, I've got that knowledge in me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I just thought I need to share this. I'll write a book. The n- most naive thing I think I've ever said in my entire life, <laughs> and the hardest thing I've ever done. Really, really hard. Um, I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. And had I known, I wouldn't have done it. Oh really? Yeah. No, definitely not. Um, so after doing that whole project, was there a time where you just thought? I'm not going to do anything with it. Through when yeah. you started working on the book, yeah. I just found yeah, it really loads of times. Loads of times, I just thought, "What the hell are you doing?" But you meet people along the way, and you have little conversations, and they could be big conversations or little conversations. They could be snippets. It might just be, you know, a word that somebody happens to say at the bus stop, and you overhear it, but it resonates with you and makes you go, "Okay." And that for me was, I was swimming one day, up and down, up and down, resting at the end, having a little chat with people. Met this woman. And I just blurted, I said, I've been interviewing all these women and I've written this book and this book isn't a real book and I don't know what to do with it. And and she just went, stop. She said, you sound like you're pregnant and you've not given birth. And I went, that makes sense. Mm. She said, you haven't actually physically got anything to show for what you've been doing. Mm. Produce a book. She said, it doesn't matter if it's one copy. Produce a book. And that's all she said to me and that was my impetus to then it then took me three months from her saying that to me physically having a book oh really yeah, that's, that's, that's not long at all yeah, it was a kick up the arse that yeah. i needed and I, that's what i found in this whenever i've got really fed up the back teeth got a bit moody got a bit oh i can't do it i can't do it i'm scared oh no that shouldn't oh no i'm not good enough for this oh there are people better than me I've, people have come along in my life with just a few short shrift words mm. and they've done it. it that's done it we were at supper at a friend's of mine and um, he said to me the bloke he said uh, how's the book coming along Sam how's the book coming along I said don't talk to me about it I said I'm fed up to the back teeth he just turned and looked at me and went finish it that was it two mm. words and it was like being told off yeah. by your dad you know I was yeah. like shit so yeah. I did, I went lit again, that's another thing, I just went home and I just cracked on. And I think, because when you work by yourself, for yourself, on your own, in your own shed. It's you, a lovely shed by the way. You. <laughs> um, you've got to really, really have some self-discipline and focus and those were my two weakest things. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a focused person or self-disciplined, I'm learning to be, mm. but I'm naturally the most easily distracted person. In fact, I've got all my reports from school and they all say Samantha is easily distracted and I am it doesn't matter what it is I am easily distracted so yeah it's a life lesson in self-discipline yeah 
tolerance, patience, you know, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with what I've done, but at the same time, I don't really like the attention that it gives me. So it's a bit of a, a double. But you must be really. proud of the book because it's really I love, insightful. I do, it's a really lovely book. I think the, the the problem is when you get so close to something, it becomes um, a, one of the what's that expression? Um, caught between the devil and deep blue sea, or something. Where I love it. The reason why I made it so beautiful is because I cared so much about it. And mm. all those interviews, hours and hours and hours of talking to really fabulous, fabulous people about their everyday life is something that is it's priceless it's mm. it's such a really lovely thing to have um so that's what always draws me back to it but then the, all my own issues around you know i can't i shouldn't i wouldn't i couldn't yeah. when's it ever going to finish oh my god you know the drama that mm. you impose on yourself it, it's this sort of double-edged sword of i love it and i hate it i don't hate it at all and yeah. actually having that distance se separate yourself now and if i pick it up and read it now i'm blown away because all the little words all the words of comfort and interest and insight you just go wow that person dealt with that yeah and it's a really bonding lovely thing yeah but yeah when you because when you were doing the, the project initially do you think it was almost like helping part of your grieving process yeah. from your parents really I didn't realize without thinking of no. a book I didn't think about it like that at all at the time but it was only with hindsight that's what I realized I was doing um, it was a, it was processing and and finding connection mm. when I'd lost mine mm. really because you are, you are, you're really honest in the book, and it's yeah. really touching and moving about your, your parents, particularly your, your mum's yeah. passing. And how difficult was that to be so open? Because it's it's one thing going and interviewing other people, but then when it's got to be from you, that's hard, isn't it? I think there are two things there. One, we as a culture, we don't talk about death. Death is not a subject we talk about every day. It's not something that happens. It only happens to us once, obviously. Mm. We don't. We not unless you work in a hospice or that sort of thing. You, you're not it's not in your everyday life and I, I and one of my questions to these women was how, how do you feel about death you know and the majority of people said they were petrified mm. and it scares them to death they don't want to talk about it and I thought well actually I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to be really really honest about step by step of exactly what happened because then when somebody else reads it they'll go okay that's normal okay this is what happens okay this is the process because you know it's a very it's a massive privilege to be with somebody when they die I'm yeah. obviously not saying in a murder or something mm. hid, absolutely hideous but a, a natural death mm. in inverted commas it's, it is a real privilege and it's and it is as it should be although you know she she was she died too early in my mm. opinion but when the actual last breath happens it is an in incredible privilege to be there to witness it because it it shows you the cycle of life and mm. to me that cycle is ex exactly like a birth it's the same process except the birth comes in and you know, the death of the person goes out and um that's you learn a lot by yeah. watching that so yeah no it was really moving i mean it did bring a tear to my eye when i read it because it's just beautifully well i want i want to be written. very very honest i yeah. don't want to be dismissive of it really because I thought it was um, like I say you don't get many opportunities in your life to have something quite very very intimate where you there's nothing crass and rude about it it's just it is just a very mm. soft and still place to be yeah. and, and time sort of stops really for that process that duration 
and also lots of serendipitous things happen and I just you know the, everything around it is lovely people are lovely and it's mm. just it, yeah were you surprised by how much the women that you interviewed shared with you or did no. you always go into it thinking that the women would I share thought they would always I mean people always tell me that they say my god you know so many people and people always open up to you and talk to you and I don't know any different because that's the way I am mm. and I just assume that people talk to people like that mm. but apparently they don't necessarily and I think I am a very empathic person and I'm very sensitive and I'm, I'm quite intuitive so I can normally navigate how, how somebody feels quite quickly um, so and, and actually you know this isn't it's not about gossiping and chit chat it's just literally having a conversation about them and I'm genuinely interested yeah that's the thing I am you know I'm not just doing it for you know to write a book or to you know to do whatever I am genuinely interested in the person mm. it's just that I felt I'd just like to share that with other people and see if they can get what I got out of mm. it which always loses a little bit in translation because you can never write you know the actual the moment yeah, yeah exactly but, but no I think what struck me about it was the fact that as a society we we don't spend the time talking to each other like like you had that that time it's a luxury isn't it mm. and it seems quite sad really that we've lost that I think it's really really sad and I think um, I, I mean I know we're all talking about it, the social media stuff and but and everybody's got their phones down everywhere you go and it's restaurant on holiday on the bus everybody's in their phones and you're missing everything you know be a mm. bird fly past the window or you know, somebody giving somebody a knowing nod. You're missing so much important stuff. So I think the more we can get back to just having a little conversation or just inquiring about somebody and just, even if you just say at the bus stop, hi, how are yeah. you? You know, I just think it's really important to do it. Mm. And the more you do it, the more easier it becomes. The more easier? The easier yeah. it becomes. And, um, and actually, people won't think it's so odd. Especially in London, it's not obviously. Yeah, well, that's one thing I was going to ask you about because you're originally from Lancashire. Yeah. And you grew up, um, parents run a corner shop, so it's the kind of place yeah. where yeah. everybody knows each other. Yeah. So everybody knows each other's business and it's a, it's a talkative yeah. community, isn't yeah. it? Do you think that's lost in, you know, that's in, now you're in London in a big city? It's much harder, isn't it? I think massive, on mass, yes, absolutely. People say London is, you know, it's unfriendly. It's really not. It's, you know, once I've lived here for 32 years and I've brought my kids up here, every area is like its own village. And if, you know, what you put in, you get out, it's yeah. like anything. So I can literally walk up to High Street and be for a loaf of bread and I can be gone an hour because I've bumped into half a dozen people that I know. And that's a regular occurrence. That's not unusual at all. And I think, you know, it, like I say, what you definitely what you put in. If you smile, hi, how are you? Longevity, you know, kids at schools, whatever. It might be in this metropolis of London. You think, my God, there are all these rushing people everywhere. Mm. But underneath it, there's a an underworld of yeah. fabulous community. Definitely. I think you know, on on the surface, you got all these commuters coming in every day, and it's this. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, that's the bit that I only see. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I, w I would not want to be a part of that. I, yeah. I wouldn't like to be that at all. I think that's, um, it's, yeah, I know, I've, I know people that commute into London and spend an hour and a half, two hours each way. Mm. And I just think, no, thank you. They love it. They love it. They love the, the peace and quiet. They get on the train for reading or doing whatever they're doing. It's a bit of downtime for family life or whatever. But no, that's, I couldn't do that. So once you've got 
all your women interviewed mm. and you suddenly you had this thing that you right I'm going to make it in, into a book you self-published didn't you I did um, which is a, a really brave thing to do because yeah. it's, it's, it's taking ownership yeah. of what you've done isn't it and yeah. saying to, to, to the world I'm really happy with what the work that I've done and I'm confident enough to put it out there on my own without any backing that's really it's mm. brave and mm. um, mm. or naive <laughs> um, I think I just you know, I just thought, you know what, I'm nearly 50 at the time, 51 mm. now, but I thought, you know what, life is too bloody short not to just give these things a go. And I also think when you've got, so I, I always use the analogy of stepping stones across the water, once you've passed halfway, you can only go forward. Yeah. And I felt I'd done all this work with all these women and listened to all these stories and got this, all this valuable, really fabulous information. I've never written a book before. I didn't. Somebody said to me, "You need a narrative." I genuinely didn't know what that meant. Mm. Um, so I just sort of thought I'd type it all up, and that would be my book. But it wasn't. I, I knew in my heart of hearts it wasn't a book, but I didn't know how to get over that into the next stage to make it into a book. So I was floundering. I was absolutely floundering and um, messing about, printing it off and printing it off and sticking things in. Like Blue Peter, I got my tip my glue out and the scrapbook, and I cut all these words up and sort of trying to be a bit arty about it and I thought this is not working and I thought I need help but I don't know who to ask where to go mm. so one wet Saturday afternoon I sat on the kitchen table and I just typed Google is there anybody that can help me write this book and it came up writers mentors and I thought oh that's good and then I sort of googled a few then I saw one that did help women specifically and I thought oh that's... and then she was South London and I thought oh, this is good and then I just rang her up and I said I told her exactly what I'd done and she said come out for coffee and I took my book and in, in the form that it was and she took it away and she it cost me 150 pounds and it was the best 150 pounds I spent mm. she gave me a five page report and it was constructive criticism and that was one of the women that I spoke to she said when I asked her what you know what you should do in life what your inspirations yeah. are and stuff she said constructive criticism seek it out and I thought what does she mean you're just going around asking for people to be mean to you <laughs> she, but and that moment I knew exactly what she meant if somebody's not going to be honest with you and tell you exactly what they think and you trust their opinion because they're a professional or you, you value their judgment yeah then you're not going to get anywhere mm. you, know, you have to go this is not good this is very good that's doing some work you know all these yeah. things and she did five pages this is what you've done this is what you haven't done this is what you need to do and you need to get on social media <laughs> and she so said, up until that point you weren't no, really on no and she said you need to get a blog and i genuinely haven't got a clue what a blog was. stocking filler mm -hmm. you know and apparently we have an international menopause day on the, oh, 18th, right. on the 18th of october yeah, so okay i've just I've, I've done it it's supposed to be funny i hope it is and it's a little a little book and it's it's made me laugh and it's broken up the sort of monotony if you will of keep sales and talking about books and not being creative because I think yeah. the creative side is really important and if you get too into the commercial side of it you lose that why you're doing it in the first place so yeah. I've learned that as well you've got to keep the balance right you've got to still make and do at the same time sell and mm. be out there so now with the, with the menopause book, are you going to do the same thing? Are you going to go out and do talks? And um, Yeah, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how, what advice would you give to people that have to push themselves out of their comfort zone and have this dread about doing it? Because how do you overcome that to go and do talks? I think you have to say, I, I sort of said to myself, I'll say yes to anything that comes my way, not knowing that anything would come my way, yeah. and deal with it when I got there. Um, like when I said I was going to write the book, 
originally. I didn't actually think I would ever get to the end point. Mm. It was just such a long distance thing. Mm. And I was asked to do a TED talk last year. Which is really amazing and brave. And I went to, I had to go and be interviewed by this bloke and he said, would you like to do it? And I said, mm, actually I wouldn't like to do it. I said, but that, I know that's not the answer I'm supposed to give. I'm supposed to say, yes, I'd love to. So I'll get back to you tomorrow. So I went home and I thought, you have got to take this opportunity. You have to say yes to opportunities. I don't want to, but I'm going to say yes. So I rang him up and said, yes, I'll do it. And it was about six weeks later, I think, the talk. And there was, I think, three or four rehearsals, one of which the little git. He said to me, meet me at Hyde Park. I thought we were going for coffee. Mm -hmm. Bloody Speaker's Corner. Oh, God. He takes us up to Speaker's Corner and made me do it. And I was like, <gasps> Made you do the whole Christ. speech there. It oh. was awful. Absolutely <laughs> awful. Um, and, and did people, well, presumably people stop to People stop, people walk past. Yeah. You know, it's not, but it's, a bit, it's all very, very, very exposing. And you do feel, and one thing I'm not very good at is learning lines. And I'm mm. not very good at being given limitations. So if somebody says, right, you talk 15 minutes, can you do it on this subject? I can say yes, but I'm not sure that's going to be the reality. Mm. So I actually had to learn it, but still be free enough. Mm. So I had to stand in front of a mirror with my cards and read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. And then I just felt like robotic and it yeah. just felt wrong. Then I had to listen to myself on, um, on the phone. I recorded myself and listened and I thought, Jesus, this is awful. Nobody then, likes listening to themselves oh, back though, do they? Horrible. And then I said to the bloke, do you know, I just sound robotic and I said, it feels false, it's not me. Mm. You know, I just want to flow and just chat. He said, but you can't. Mm. <laughs> you've only got 15 minutes and you've got to keep to the subject matter. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to actually learn this. And I've never been diagnosed, but I've definitely got a processing thing. I'm not good at receiving information and then speaking it out. If, you, if I read a book, I just say, and you say, what's it about? I'll go, just read it, it's brilliant. I yeah. can't actually tell you what it's about. My brain doesn't really work like that. So I've really, really struggled. And I've never been so nervous in my life. And um, people sort of say, you know, but you're good at this sort of thing, you're fine. And again, it's the assuming from yeah. the persona. Not That's not what was going on inside my body. Inside my body was dying. And I was sweating and it was just awful. Um, but I decided, deep breaths, and before we went on stage, we had a little, just a practice of being on the stage before all the people came in. And it sounds a bit mad, well maybe it doesn't. I put all the people that have died, the women that have died in my family, on an imaginary bench right. on stage with me. So I had my mum, my auntie, my granny, my grand, all the people. Yes. Yeah. About eight or nine of us on there from going back to the 1800s. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, this is for you. This is for you. What I'm doing Good now for is you. for you. And you can all sit there and you can support me mm. doing what I'm doing. Mm. And I'll try my best. That's all I can do. Mm. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you cock it up and mm. you make a bit of a dick of yourself. Yeah. But it won't be the first time mm. and it won't be the last. So I just I just did it. And um, the most disappointing thing about the whole thing, so many people came up and said it was really lovely and blah, blah, blah. And it's on video. It's great. It's a really, really good talk. Thank you. Um, but you're supposed to get a high afterwards and this sort of adrenaline to make you sort of think yeah that was all worth it that's your that's your badge to mm. say well done i didn't get a high i was i just thought oh it's a shame um that's interesting it, it would have been lovely to just go yeah 
That's nice. Thanks. I'm glad I did that. Mm. But I didn't get that, which is a bit of a shame. What about when he did the speaker's corner? Did you get a high after no, doing something like that? Was, Nothing that, at all. No, I don't. I don't like being sent to No, attention. so maybe deep down it was just that yeah, the whole process was I, just really yeah, difficult for you. Yeah. Some people, you know, they love that. I don't. But it, unfortunately, I remember years ago I was listening to a radio programme and the bloke, bloke as an author on there and he said the problem with the world now is, is that authors historically are introverted people who spend time on their own writing. They mm. don't, they're not out there chatting and selling their book. That's what the publisher used to do. So, but now the world's changed and the author has to do it. We're not those sort of people. Mm. And it's really, it's really, really hard if you're not that sort of person to actually almost pretend you are. Yeah. So it is. I mean, I'm, I'm fine talking to you guys. I've got no problem interviewing yeah. all these people, doing whatever it is I do. But you no, know, just drawing that attention to yourself on mass with all the people is a bit weird. So how do you manage with when you're doing the book talks? Same Idiot. thing. <laughs> just hate it. I hate it. Is it not easier because it's your subject and you know it? And it's come from from you, so it's something that you're passionate about. I would, I think, what would be really, really good idea is to do back to back talks for about two or three weeks, so that you're so comfortable and confident in it that it's not an issue. But I think if you don't, if you sort of leave it a couple of months and you out again, it becomes a bit. Oh gosh, I've got to do it again, and it's the feeling of all that adrenaline. And by the way, I'm allergic to adrenaline. I oh really? I, I don't even have it at the dentist because it sends me a bit loopy. Oh so God. I am a bit. I don't know. I just think it's it's something I've got to work at. It's yeah. my my weakness, I suppose. One but that makes my admiration for you even even <laughs> more so that it not that it wasn't in the first place, but the fact that you're overcoming all these massive hurdles yeah, to keep pushing yourself forward is mm. just immense. Yeah. It's brilliant, especially whilst going through the menopause as well, yeah. because it's not easy. Because really I don't know about you, but I've definitely had an increase in anxiety. Well, I didn't it's... didn't know I had anxiety till I'd done yeah. this book, and obviously I have because mm. I didn't. You know, again, I've spent the majority of my life, you know, work for myself. You know, I spend a lot of time on my own. I don't I don't put myself out there in the big wide world to have to become anxious. Mm. So actually, this is it's been quite interesting just to go. Oh, not as confident as you thought you were. Mm. Are you in a crowd? Mm. But you're learning so much about yeah. yourself all the time yeah. as well, aren't you? Yeah. So lots of people would go through all that and then say, okay, I've tick boxed that bit, I'm going, I've done that, I've done the menopause book, I've done my TEDx talk, then I'm, you're now continuing and, and I've now started working on a men's book. Well, there's a reason for that and it's because I didn't want to just shun the men because I know I was interviewing 100 women for that, for, for just because I wanted that inspiration, but I thought, you know what, why, I'm, why not speak to 100 men as well and we can have their side and what they think about life. And I've done 30 so far, and they are very, very open. I've had more tears with the men than I've had with the women. They don't talk naturally, so given the opportunity to sit in my shed with me for three or four hours mm. at a time, really, really honest and, and lovely, really lovely. So I just thought it would be, it was, I don't want to be seen as, you know, it's all, it's all women, women, yeah. women. It's not. It's, we're yeah. people, we're human beings, we're people on the planet, men and women, whatever we are. We've all got thoughts, feelings, and it's and it's not really anything to do with gender, it's just mm. people, so that's yeah. that's really why I'm doing 100 men. Um, and my age range, I'm going a little bit low, I'm starting at the 20s, um, which I didn't with the women. Not really sure why I what didn't. What was the youngest age for women? 30. 30s, yeah. yeah. I think, with hindsight, I probably should have done some 20-somethings, but I think all my nieces are in their 20s, and I just, I'd like had enough of 20 something so <laughs> and it's it's probably uh, with with hindsight I should have I should have done them but never mind I didn't mm. 
And what? How ambitious are you? Do you have like long-term plans? You just strike me as somebody that just sees how things goes and what. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm ambitious at all. Um, I just say I'm I'm very interested and curious about life. Mm. Always have been. Always will be. I'll always have projects on the go. Um, I don't know how long this phase of me writing and doing what I'm doing now will last. Mm. It might last forever. It might not. You know, I might go into uh, I don't know uh, physics. Um, astronomy or so I've no idea we'll just we'll just see what happens but at the minute this is what's driving me I'm driving I'm doing the menopause book the hundred men and we'll just see who knows but there's so much there's so much to do isn't yeah, there that's is. the other thing it's, yeah. it's homing it in not spread yourself too thin because that again the easy distractor button comes on and you next minute you want to, want to do a bit of gardening or, you know a bit of mm. sightseeing a bit of ancestry I love looking back in time at yeah, ancestry I do. stuff yeah so you have to really again rein it in and focus on the goal in hand and just see how it unfolds and that just that's what i like doing mm. i like doing that it's so you're very driven though yeah driven i suppose driven more than ambitious yes. i think because i'm not it's yeah. not necessarily for a goal of you know the very idea of being famous would be for me hideous mm. absolutely hideous um somebody said to me you need to go and lose women i was like no, really not. Um, I just would be a mess. And people go, that's not Sam. That's not the Sam we know. I just, no. Do you think your background in the holistic side and the meditation and, and the things that you've learnt, I think that's helped kind of keep you grounded in all this and keep you calm and... Being Northern. Yeah. I mean, I thank God for my roots. Seriously, thank God for my roots because they are very, very strong. There's no nonsense. There's definitely no nonsense. I'm not saying every Northern is mm. down to earth at all, but... I've lived I've lived in London, like I say, 32 years, and there is not a day goes by, and I promise you this, when somebody doesn't say to me, where are you from? Is that accent up north? Are you a northerner? Is it Yorkshire? Is it Lancashire? Where do you come from? Oh, I've never heard of that. Oh, yes, I know that. Do you know Jimmy Clitheroe? Blackpool? And you're going, it's bizarre. And my husband never really believed it. And then he was with me one time, and he was going, oh, my God, you're right. And it's 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 constant. And I don't know, there are so many accents and, and cultures in London. Mm. Does everybody have this about that, where they come from? I don't know, but it is, it's sort of, in a way, made me stronger to my roots. Yeah. It's even reinforced my roots. So I've always got that roundedness. I'll never take myself, I'll say I never take myself too seriously, but in the sense that like, it's not that, nothing is that important mm. really. You know, we've got a finite time here. You might as well have a look around. Yeah. investigate you know try things out give it a go the worst that can happen do you think living in london because everything is really accessible do you think it's easier to do something like you've done than it is maybe in the north i think people think it is yeah um because it's this sort of metropolis this creative hub but i think i could do this in the lake district mm. you know i could you know you find a quiet space you get your thoughts your ideas your thoughts and ideas come from you yes they're they're inspired by you know who you meet and what's going on around you but look at Wordsworth you know he's mm. in the Lake District with all that beauty and silence and so you, I think you, you can get it from wherever you are you just have to do it you've actually got to do it that's the main thing mm. so I don't necessarily think locality has that much you've got to have your own inner yeah drive I suppose or thoughts mm. about what you want to do and what advice would you give to women that have maybe got a seed of an idea and haven't taken that step forward to do it because something's holding them back because they're scared to they're a bit like you were in the beginning yeah. 
ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. And how that might come that you turn the newspaper and there's a title on the front line that just says what you need to hear. Mm. You know, it might not actually be somebody, it might be something. And if you if the drive is strong enough and you really want to do and it doesn't matter what whatever it is, how insignificant you think it is or how small or big, just keep doing it until you've reached a point where you can only go forward, you can't go backwards. And there'll be things that you've, you've, you've cocked up and you think, oh no, that's a project too far. Don't worry about it, let it go. Mm. That's the other thing, not keep sticking to something just because you've been sticking mm. at it for so long. Cause it's you, that fear of failure, isn't it? Yeah. That we've got to yeah. shred. Yeah. But really, that's the other thing. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody, no, you know, we, we get this sort of thing about, oh, they might think that or they might think this. It's rubbish. Nobody, everybody's getting on with their own life. They're not thinking about you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, it's then they're always surprised. Oh, you did, I didn't know you were doing this. And you think, I've been talking about this for years. <laughs> but actually, you haven't. It's just your head going yeah. round and round and round with the same old rubbish. So, you just, you've just got to keep at it and ask questions. Yeah. And last three questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what, what, What's one of your favourite music songs that always motivates you? Well, I'm not, I'm not a naturally a musicy person. I don't ever put the radio on. Um, my husband does all the time, and that's what keeps me interested in music, I suppose. And yeah. I, I was at a festival last weekend, an arts festival, and um, uh, Jerry Dammers was there from the specials, and I didn't realise I loved the specials when I was yeah, a teenager. I was literally jigging around to all this reggae. It was doing a DJ set, mm. which again, that's not my bag. I was amazed. My body was naturally wanting to move to reggae. I love yeah. reggae. I really, really do. But I think my song that motivates me is I Can See Clearly Now the Rain Has Gone by Johnny Nash. Brilliant. I just think it's uplifting. It's bright. How you choose your favourite song, I don't know. But that you, you hear that and you sing along and you just, yeah. yeah. That, that's good. And what about a book that's inspired you? I read loads. I'm a big, big, big reader. In fact, I read too much, and I always read about three or four books on the go at the same mm, time, which is madness. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. madness. Um, I'm like a, a sponge. I want to yeah. take it all in. But I think I've got a lot of books that I love. But I think the one that I've... Weirdly, I was on a train once and got chatting to this bloke, this Irish bloke, and he said to me, he was a bit drunk, and he said to me... Um, I'm going to give you one bit of information. He said that I'll, I think you should just read this book. And it's called Anma Cara, A-N-M-A, Cara, C-A-R-R-E, by John O'Donoghue, who sadly he died at 57. And it's a spiritual book, for want of a better word. And I think I said to you before, I'm not very good at describing what's in the book. Mm. It is the most fabulous book, in my opinion, mm. and I've read it, I can't remember how many times, and when I finish it, I start it again. So it's constantly by my bed, I constantly dip in and out of yeah. it. Uh, it's just, it's very, very grounding, spiritually, I don't know, calming, it's very, makes a lot of, it's a lot of common sense in there. And yeah, I love it. I shall look that up. Do, do. And who inspires you? Normal people. <laughs> Normal, ordinary, <laughs> everyday people, without mm. a shadow of a doubt. Um, they just, you know, you just don't know what's, it could be something they say, do, just being, just being, it's just lovely. Um, yeah, just ordinary folk and nature. Mm. Where would we be without nature? Yeah. Thank you. Honestly, I could have talked to you for <laughs> hours. You are, you're such an inspiration. I, and I, 
I really feel like there's a connection because we 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 think very similar about you've just got such a passion for for life really. Yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's nothing it's, seems to phase you, even though it does phase you because uh, you you struggle with the hurdles that you have to yeah. overcome to get there, but you still pursue it anyway, which is what I think is just really inspiring. So thank you, and I'm, very, I'm looking forward to welcome. reading the men's book. I'll let you know when it's out. Yes, yeah. <laughs> thank you um, for having me. No, thank you. So I can definitely recommend that you all read Collecting Conversations, which you can order directly from collectingconversations.com. And you can also keep up to date with Sam's blog and follow her on Instagram and Facebook at Collecting Conversations and Twitter at Collecting Converse, C-O-N-V-S. And you can also see Sam's TED Talk that I believe she hasn't actually watched herself. No. <laughs> Want to learn about life, stop and listen, which I can really highly recommend. Um, I think I've watched it two or three times now. Um, so it's been watched by thousands of people. So that's available at TED.com. And next week, I'll be catching up with Emmy Howe, who is a body image expert and founder of Body Equality. So I'm looking forward to sharing our passions around body confidence, the importance of diversity and branding, and what led Emmy to this new career path. In the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to this week's Out of the Bubble. And I hope it's left you feeling inspired. I'd love to hear from you. Who inspires you and why? Please get in touch. You can contact me via my website, rachelperumodel.com or leave a message on the Anchor app. And if you're listening via iTunes, don't forget you can leave feedback. In the meantime, keep being fabulous.